Hello. Hello. And welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Fiona Bennett. And I'm Michael Schaefer. We're going to get straight into the conversation this week, which completes the trio of conversations that we held in the John Rylands Library in Manchester. We were delighted to have the opportunity to meet and talk with actress Maxine Peake about the poem that's been a friend to her, and we're really grateful to her for giving us her time and indeed her permission to share this conversation with you. You'll be hearing myself and Michael talking with her about Turns by Tony Harrison, the poem that's been a friend to Maxine. But again, do you not think I don't think Manchester sees itself as a an yeah. intellectual city does you know right. I don't know and there is we've got and when you yeah. think of what yeah. has come out of Manchester yeah. what what you know uh, politically industrial industrial mm. everything it's such a I remember Stuart McCorney saying he was on his radio show and somebody said to him oh when BBC moved to Manchester but I mean what's Manchester got and he reeled off this list of famous inventors and yeah. thinkers from Manchester people went oh my god didn't uh, didn't know but I suppose you don't I don't know and also what's happening now. I mean, the contemporary work as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, but it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Turns. Is it turns? It's turns, yes. Turns, and it's by... Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison, okay, great. Do you mind reading it through for us? Yeah. We've got it in the room a bit more then. <laughs> I thought it made me look more working class as if a bit of checkered cloth could bridge that gap. I did a turn in it before the glass. My mother said, it suits you, your dad's cap. She preferred me to wear suits and part my hair. You're every bit as good as that lot are. All the pension queue came out to stir. Dad was sprawled beside the post box, still VR. His cap turned inside up beside his head, smudged H-A-H -H in purple Indian ink and broke cream slicks displayed so folk might think he wanted charity for dropping dead. He never begged for note. Death's reticence crowns his life. And me, I'm opening my trap to bust the class that broke him for the pence that splash like brackish tears into our cap. Great, thank you. I really got, when you read it, the, um, a, a rhythm thing or there's something about the sounds of the words in the mouth that I didn't get just reading it in my head. Especially in that last line. I'm opening my trap to busk the class that broke him for the pence that splash like brackish tears into our cap. It's brilliant. It's not exactly... <laughs> what can I say? It's not a... a gentle friend. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when he's... I just thought, well, it's funny because some friendships aren't always... Comforting friendship, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But there's something about it that it has, yeah. I discovered it sort of in my teens, really. And Do you remember the moment you first...? Yeah, it was a friend, actually. I had a friend called Ellen Evans, and her dad used to work for the council, and we used to think he was... Well, he was very clever, but he was sort of the first, first friend's parents I knew who had been to university. So right. her dad had been to university. Right. And he introduced us all to, like, films, like, I remember... He, he said to me, I think you'd like this film called With Nail and I and a film called Performance. So he got, he got us all into things that, you know, there's two books in our house. One was a who's who that I don't know where that had come from. Mm -hmm. Another book was Emma VIP, which was a story about a chocolate-coloured Labrador, blind dog, uh, 
that my mum really liked. Yeah. So I had this friend, Ellen, and she, her and her sister Beth were very clever, and I was always a bit in awe of them. Yeah. And I remember him saying to me, I think you're like Tony Harrison's work. So I sort of, you know, sought it out. Wow. And there was just this, because I had a really, really great relationship with my grandfather. He was my step-grandfather. Mm. He used to wear a cap. Mm. So initially, that's why it just spoke to me. Mm. It was just the thing about him and his... He, he wouldn't leave the house without his cap on. Mm. But, but what's interesting about Tony Harrison's relationship with his father, it's very different. I had a great relationship with my granddad, and he was in the Communist Party, and he was very educated. You know, he'd self-educated himself. Mm. You know, he worked at Leyland Mortars. Mm. But it is about... I suppose it's about the imagery and it's about the identity of working class and actually how that, for me, it's how it holds you back. And when I first read this poem, it wasn't going to hold me back, my class, because I was going to go out and go to London and sort of leave it all behind, mm. naively. Mm. And it, it, that hasn't happened. Mm. <laughs> it's completely mm. dragged, you know, mm. it's dragged me back kicking and screaming. Mm. And it, it, in a strange way, it sort of keeps... It reminds me how I used to be... I don't know, I didn't... I don't think I was arrogant. But because I thought I was so sort of well-read and slightly cleverer than quite a few... You know what I mean? That I wasn't... I don't know what to say. I wasn't going to come back to the North and I was going to leave and that would, that would be that would be it. You know, when I was 18, I was going to go and, and not come back because I was too big for this place. And actually now I come back and I... I don't feel that, and I feel really... So I remember in drama school, the, one of the teachers saying to me, you won't, when you go back, it'll be very difficult for you, Maxine, because you won't feel like you fit anymore. You'll have changed and your friends won't. And I remember going home and going, oh, no, that's not true. And I need to come home and I need to see mm. my friends. And that was a big mm. sort of wake-up call. So it's that strange... It, for me, it's about the strange relationship I have with my class. Which sort of identifies me, and I've let it ident mm. really be my identity sometimes, and sometimes it can be a bit suffocating. Yeah. Because I am, you know, northern comes before anything. You know, when people yeah. say, well, she's northern, northern actress, Lancastrian actress. You know, so it's that love hate thing. But it's just, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I know Tony Harrison's sort of Northumberland, he's further sort mm. of northeast, but it just, family, generation, location, how it, really sort of how it does define you if, if you let it mm. Turns I thought it made me look more working class as if a bit of chequered cloth could bridge that gap I did a turn in it before the glass my mother said it suits you your dad's cap she preferred me to wear suits and part my hair you're every bit as good as that lot are. And it's great, that first verse is just... It's, it's got all that contradiction that you're talking about as well, yeah. about whether you own it or it... You know, whether it... You know, in a sense, that identity thing of whether it's a cage or a... Yeah, yeah. Or a thing that actually is your drive in some way as well, or yeah. your belonging, you know. Because if you kind of run away from it, then where do you belong is... Difficult, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But it is as well, it's that gener and the feels the weight of gener the gener even though my granddad was very sort of educated, he still I remember him saying to me, You'll never be an actress, you're not self centred enough. <laughs> Little did he know. <laughs> but 
you know, there was, even though they wanted you, there was still that, it was, you were, you know, Maxine, you know, when I, when I got in at Raj, you went, for God's sake, don't say you live in a council estate. Mm-hmm. It was fear. I think he was frightened that if I moved out of that, mm-hmm. that I would, I don't know, even get picked on or get laughed mm-hmm. at, I'd just feel I'm not in. Mm-hmm. So in a way, even though I adore him, I still felt he's instilled me with, mm-hmm. I've not, and I always think Tony Harrison's, even though he writes a lot about, he's, you know, he sort of did break away. And, mm-hmm. But I never had that, maybe, courage of convictions to really... Mm. I don't know. I don't know if it's cowardice or... I don't know. Oh, I love, I love that this is still with you, though, that that conversation that you're having oh, that yeah, happened yeah, then yeah. is still happening and this poem is still kind of speaking with you with it. Yeah. Mm. But it just, it just always sort of reminds... You know, and it's like that thing, because when I, when I saw mm. it, I thought, well, like, is friend the right thing? But I thought, mm. well, yeah, because sometimes friends remind you, don't they, that about, I don't know, a good friend. That's always the conversations I have with friends. Or should we tell them, we think friends, you know, should we tell them the truth or should we say what we feel about their behaviour? And sometimes I feel I'm not a good friend because I don't remind people or just prick people about. Because mm. I think, oh, no, I don't want to upset them. I don't want them mm. to feel that I'm... But this, I suppose mm. that's why it's a good friend, because it, it does keep reminding me. And I suppose as well, it was that thing when I was younger, I always sort of gravitated more towards sort of male poets, although I sort of see myself as, you know, although I've got labelled as being a feminist now, which sometimes, I mean, I am, but it, it sort of, yeah, of it became, before I'd even said it, all of a sudden it was like, Maxine, I was like, well, I, I never saw it like that, I just saw it as I... You know, I do what I want to do, and yeah. nobody's going to sort of stop me, especially not men. You know, and and to be honest, I've always said I'm a so I'm first and foremost I'm a socialist. Mm. Femi- you know, I never when I was young, I, it's really strange. I just never, I just believe yeah. in equality for everybody. When did just sort of being a woman and speaking your mind make you a? I thought it sort of it sort of reflects our times. I think mm. that how we've slid backwards. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I've got lots of labels that I sort of... Sometimes I feel they do... I feel weighed down by them. But I think that... Somebody said to me the other day, but she was in a bit ambassador, she said, I think you've taken on your granddad's role and you feel now he's gone, that you have to... So there's something... Mm. It's that... Although I adored my granddad... I do feel I've let... Although he'd be going... If he was alive now, he'd be going mad, going, keep your mind shut. Because he got sacked from so many jobs and mm. got blacklisted and in so much trouble mm. over his politics. Mm. So he used to say to me, button it, don't. Mm. You know, and I said, well, I can't not. Mm. But I think it's that... There's something about his poem as well. It's the, the haunting of other gener... I don't know. Mm. And, it, and it is... You know, that lovely image of, you know, even though it's a, you know, of, of his father and the fact that his class did break him. Mm. And I think it's broken. Mm. Maybe it's, I feel a bit fractured by it in a different, you know, the next generation in a different way. All the pension queue came out to stare. Dad was sprawled beside the post box, still VR his cap turned inside up beside his head, smudged H-A-H in purple Indian ink, 
and brill cream slicks displayed so folk might think he wanted charity for dropping dead. But it's, it's amazing that thing when it sounds like your, your step granddad, you know, had that thing of really. It's a very particular kind of love where they don't want you to mm. kind of lose out in the way that they've lost yeah. out potentially or yeah. not. And yet, you know, that's a very conflicted kind of. Well, then he was thing, a real diehard communist, and his thing yeah. was about he hated competition and ambition. And he used to say to me, You're ambitious. And he used to go, and I remember once her next boyfriend having a massive row with him about competition. Because mm. my granddad was like, he didn't believe in it at all. And he didn't believe in ambition. You know, and I never sort of believed he was lying. I never felt he ever wanted to do anything other than, mm. you know, but for somebody who, and his friends used to say, you know, he was one of the best politicians we've ever met. He should have done something with it. He was so knowledgeable, but there was no, but I think in a way, that thing of him being true, sort of, you become a slave to your beliefs, don't you? Mm. Mm. And what does that what does that mean? Does it stop you doing? Yeah, what do we commit to yeah. in our lives is a big question, isn't it? Well, it's what even, do we, I know, I know things know. that things work come in and I go, I am watch with that voice over. <laughs> and they go, What's it for? And I go, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can't mm. do it. And I've set because I've set the stall out now, I just mm. couldn't. Mm. You know. And I remember Grandad saying, don't, when I joined, I joined the Communist Party when I was 18, and I only joined, I waited till I was 18, because he said to me, I don't want you to join. He said, it'll kill you. He said, I've seen it kill friends of mine. I went, what do you mean? He said, because the, he said, it's, it's all or nothing. But yeah, and then I sort of went, oh, I'll be fine. And then, yeah, sort of, I definitely know what he means now. Mm. So when did you, when did you step, is your step granddad? No, he died three years ago now. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But do you, do you feel like he, I mean, yeah, how was it with him when you'd sort of gone off and done? Yeah, okay, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure. I mean, I think he was proud. He always used to say to friends of mine, is she any good? Because I can't tell. <laughs> you know, because he said, because I, I can't. And he used to say, can you not get a part where you smile more? Because you've got a lovely smile. <laughs> he never begged for nout. Death's reticence crowns his life's, and me. I'm opening my trap to busk the class that broke him for the pence that splash like brackish tears into our cap. Can I just ask about what your relationship with it is, it, just in a kind of physical way now? So would you, would you read it again? Yeah, would it, you? it's funny, I read it and it really... I got really upset, I suppose, because my granddad's not here now. Mm. So when I, when I sort of dug it out again and read it, you know, I've not read it for a while, and I mm. did, I got really... And now I've got his cap, actually. It's in the spare room, and my friend Betty Tebbs, who's now training an activist, she gave me this very strange sort of bust of this woman with a flower in her head. And she always used to say to me, she's from, she's from Manchester, and she does a lot with CND and stuff, but she always used to say to me, can I have your granddad's phone number? And he used to go, oh, my bloody dead body, you giving her my phone number? <laughs> <laughs> So I've got this strange sort of bust that Betty said she painted herself of this woman like a flowery thing, and then my granddad's my granddad's cap that's on that's on the, and it does still really smell of him, and it is that, and I just love that image now as well. Go, I can see that image. I mean, that's obviously his initials, but the you know the the little pat 
patch, done and co patch inside that, with a plastic that's, you know, and it's a bit oily and it's a yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah. And very strangely, and I'm not into, but I had some friends who's, and this is really strange. And I don't know, she, you know, she wouldn't look at a picture of my granddad. She was, it freaked her out too much, but I had a friend who, we went on holiday for a week and a friend, two friends of mine, sorry, not really quick, we were, um, they were planning on moving in together. And I said, well, look, we're going away for a week. Why don't you just stay in our house for a week and see how you get on? Because they were living in separate flats. And then when I came back, Pooley, the guy said to me, he said, Susie's got something to ask you. She went, oh, no, I don't want, I don't want, I really don't want. And I went, what, what? And she went, she went, I just, she said, twice I went into your room. And she said, and she said, I know I'm a bit strange and I do see things. She said, but I saw this little man sat in the chair in the corner. And I said, what did he look like? She said, he just fit the chair perfectly. She said he had his legs crossed. I'm going to start crying. She said he had a tie on and a V-neck jumper. And I went, oh, my God. I said, that's my granddad. I said, I don't, and I don't believe any of that. I said, can I show? She went, I don't want to. She said, but he had a lovely energy and he had a big smile. And she said, and twice. Now, Susie's, she's mm. seen, you know, some people I don't know mm. quite. You know, I haven't got any, whatever that is. It doesn't. Mm. But, yeah, it was just really interesting. But she mm. wouldn't, because she said it would frighten her too much. Mm. I said, I can show you a picture of my granddad and... and mm. And it's, you know, it's just that, I mean, I don't know, it's just because the cat was, I don't know, it's an energy, it's something, you know, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't believe in, mm. but she'd never met him, she'd mm. never seen him, mm. but I just said again about that, I suppose about the energy, it made me, mm. like Pav said, well, my father said, you know, he's, he's still very much in this house, isn't he, mm. you know, because he's very much with you and, you know, so. He's very much with you. Mm. Yeah. Just really... I'm really glad I asked about that because I've been wondering about the cap. So yeah, no, now I know it. where it is, which is really yeah, great. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, it's it's the next door. We we're going to get it framed and put it on the wall, but it's just on. I just I think it sounds yeah, good where it is. Yeah, just on Betty's little. Yeah, sounds really good where it is. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you. It's been great. Really lovely to meet you. No, lovely to meet you. Amazing to hear about this. It's made me want to cry. This no, poem. It's just really. Yeah. What a great, it's such a, because from, isn't it amazing? I'm, whatever, from one, po the freedom a poem can give you, and it's not necessarily about, you know, what exactly the poem is saying, it's what the poem says to you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad that you did bring, uh, whatever the route might have been, that you did bring this one that isn't such a obvious comforting friend, but is that more kind of, reminder kind of calling you on it yeah. being with you with whatever that ongoing debate is kind of friend because i think that's that's one of the things for me about the idea of poems as friends is that it's yeah of course there are fantastic ones that are about reassuring or reaffirming or but it's that idea of friendship being a kind of place of witness and honesty and challenge and all those other things as well which i really love so I love it that you brought this one. Oh, thank you. This kind of friend. Turns. I thought it made me look more working class, as if a bit of chequered cloth could bridge that gap. I did a turn in it before the glass. My mother said, It suits you, your dad's cap. She preferred me to wear suits and part my hair. You're every bit as good as that lot are. All the pension queue came out to stare. Dad was sprawled beside the post box, still VR. 
his cap turned inside up beside his head, smudged H.A.H. in purple Indian ink, and brill-cream slicks displayed so folk might think he wanted charity for dropping dead. He never begged, for nought. Death's reticence crowns his life's, and me, I'm opening my trap to busk the class that broke him for the pence that splash like brackish tears into our cap. That was Michael with the gift recording of Turns by Tony Harrison. Oh, thanks again to Maxine, to Tony Harrison and to Faber for their permission in allowing us to use the poem and to share the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so you can do that in a number of ways. If you head over to the website, you'll find uh, the sort of usual contact details there for email and so on. There's also the means there to leave us a voicemail. Um, so do um, give us a call. It's all completely free. And wherever possible, in fact, well, every time, we'll get back to you. So uh, no reason not to leave us a message. You might want to tell us about how you found the podcast this week or uh, about a poem that's been a friend to you. Anything you want, um, we'd just really love to hear from you. You can find a link on the description page that will take you to more of Tony Harrison's work if you'd like to investigate that. And if you haven't pressed subscribe on your podcast platform, do go ahead and do that because it just means that um, as and when we've got either a new episode to share with you or other kind of audio um, messages to send via the podcast, uh, they're going to come to you automatically. We'll be back with more Poems as Friends. But for now, thank you for listening. <laughs>